Fintech Chatter. Brought to you by Tier 1 People, leaders in Fintech Executive Search. Hello and welcome to Fintech Chatter, the show where I connect with Fintech leaders for a bit of a chat. I'm your host, Dexter Cousins, and I'm coming to you from Melbourne. It's just before the Finneys in 2023, and I'm joined by the one, the only, Sir Dominic Pym. <laughs> Glad you could dress for the occasion, Dom. I was coming to your hotel rooms. I put my best out yeah, <laughs> For those of you who uh, you know, aren't aware, Every, I think it's every Finney's, Dom and I have a secret rendezvous in my hotel room and record a podcast session. So we didn't want to kind of, um, you know, let you down this year. Um, but look, thanks. You've come suited and booted. And, um, you know, it's been a, um, I can't believe it's been a year since we sat here. I reckon the last time might have, been, might have been Intersect. Might have been the Finney's. Yeah. But uh, it's actually, been a year. It feels like a year. Yeah, it was yeah, a year. It's amazing. Yeah, it was. It's it was, amazing. yeah. I think it was... Um, I think it was after the Finneys. It was the yeah. day after the Finneys. Yeah, time flies. Yeah. It's been a um, uh, tumultuous journey in the last couple of years. It has, yeah. <laughs> it has. You know, I was talking to somebody today and we were actually talking about fintech innovation. And, I, you know, I was kind of not lamenting, but I, I think saying, hey, it feels like we're in a period of, of um, yeah, consolidation. And, are, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, hungry for the excitement. It was 2018 when we just had big, bold ideas of, I'm going to build a bank. And I kind of... Yeah, and I say crazy, right? Yeah. Crazy. But yeah. you know, I think it's kind of, we need those kind of big, crazy ideas again. Yeah. Whereas, I reckon it happens. It's cyclical, right? Yeah, it is. It is like, yeah. I think that over the decades, yeah. we've sort of seen it come and go. Yeah. I think the the ambition is, you know, sort of runs parallel to the market cycles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So in the downtimes, you're looking for new and exciting things to do, um, but you're struggling to get capital. Yeah. Um, people are losing jobs, uh, maybe, you know, not getting paid as much and all that sort of stuff. But then in the good times, we become even more ambitious and think yeah. that the world's our oyster. We can fly to the moon, you know. So I actually think it's uh, feeling a little bit reminiscent of 2008, 2009 yeah. after the GFC. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've completely got over the current economic yeah. environment, but it definitely feels like we're cresting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah look, that's exactly kind of, you know, how I've surmised it as well. Um, having recruited through the GFC and the dot-com crash, um, the GFC was a little bit different because it was a kind of an instant shock yeah. or it felt like an instant shock, whereas this feels like it's just been a, a little bit of a kind of death by a thousand cuts, you know, kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, gradually kind of running out of oxygen. Yeah. Um, but I absolutely agree with you. I think, you know, what we're seeing in terms of where the money's flowing and, and the ideas, they're very much around dealing with problems that are very much current problems. Yeah. Credit risk assessment. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, delinquency, like, you know, kind of how do, how do we you know, kind of improve the process and, and fix that, those problems. Um, and then things like, you know, cost control, cost, you know, looking right, at efficiency. You know, yeah, efficiency yeah. So it's, it's kind of really interesting that that's, you know, and I, I, I kind of made, I think I made this prediction at Intersect last year saying, look, I think this is where it's going to head and it, it has headed that way. Um, what, what are you, because when we last had you on the show, we were talking very much, part of it was to talk about up, but 
it was mainly to talk about Euphemia, which is your family office, yeah. which you just launched at the time. <laughs> How has that last 12 months gone? <laughs> Probably on both, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, up has gone from strength to strength, and we have around 700,000 customers now. Wow. And I think we're just closing on about 100 billion in transactions. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's out of control. Yeah. And still uh, same sort of momentum in terms of adding – sort of just less than a 1,000 new customers a day, sort of between 500 and 1,000, mm. depending on the day. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Up's doing amazing. I think we're 120-ish people now. Um, and then on the family office, like Judy had just got started. That's already, right, yeah. It and was, uh, Judy's been an absolute godsend. So it was the day after Intersect because I caught up with Judy the night before. Uh, yeah. Sorry, not Intersect, yeah, the Finnies. Finnies yeah, because yeah, I caught up yeah, with Judy yeah. the night before, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, so Judy's been a godsend, like amazing. Uh, she's incredible building communities. Uh, amazing network, uh, you know, people, I bump into people and, and, you know, you think, oh, Dom's Mr. Fintech people have been calling me lately and that's fine, but I bump into people and they say, oh, yeah, I know Judy, <laughs> you know, so I've actually found that she has an enormously uh, amount of respect for her mm. um, in, the, in the industry and it was never so fintech focused, it was just yeah. more startups yeah. broadly. Um, but what we've seen uh, during these sort of harder economic um, circumstances is that some of the fintechs are still scaling and still growing really yeah. fast. Um, and so I think there's been a natural sort of um, focus on financial services. Yeah. Um, for good and bad, yeah. like there's been layoffs and there's been, you know, like you said, efficiencies and those sort of things. But the fintechs that were really good have really thrived. Yeah. Um, and we've seen them growing month on month, year on year. Um, so that's been exciting. So Judy and I sort of had this idea when we, when we got together to roll in the things that I'd been working on over the last couple of decades um, and sort of start this Euphemia, this new family office anew. I can't remember if we said last time, like Euphemia is the Greek um, name for PIM. So, um, uh, so there's a sort of like PIM Enterprises or DOM right. Enterprises. <laughs> you know? um, and, and Judy's helped me in the last year. Uh, probably do more investments than Square Peg, Blackbird, and Airtree combined. <laughs> like a lot of investments. Um, it's been a really good time to invest, but we don't have the same capital, obviously. Now, yeah. we are actually investors in all of those funds and, and many others, probably about 25 or 30 funds that we invest in uh, across the whole spectrum. So venture capital, private equity, uh, debt finance, uh, crowdfunding, uh, angel investing, syndicates, like the whole lot. Mm. Uh, and then we also do a lot of investments directly into startups. And again, last time when we met was probably the start of our thesis. We were yeah. you know, sort, of, sort of thinking what it was we wanted to do and the impact that we wanted to have. I don't think that's changed. We want to elevate the entire industry. You know, We want to help where we can, whether that's through building community, whether that's through capital, whether that's through the tool sets that you need to build a business, yeah. lending experience, just helping people be awesome. Um, so it's quite fortuitous because today we launched our website. I know it's been a year, but we've been so busy we haven't even had time to launch our website. So we launched the website today and what we're trying to do is put the emphasis on the portfolio companies, the founders, the startups themselves and talk about what they're doing rather than what we're doing. Because yeah. really what we're doing is just helping them to succeed. Yeah. And if we can... May you've just yeah. nicked my marketing strategy, have you, We think the same, right? Yeah. And we've always had that sort of yeah. rapport, you know, yeah. like that we believe and have the same ethics and the same yeah. moral values. And so you sort of believe in helping the community, helping yeah. everybody rather than just helping ourselves. So, so we don't actually have a mandate to make money. We have a mandate to invest in order to help grow. And if we make money out of that, that's fine, but... You, you can't spend all the money in one lifetime. So, so mm. we're, we're happy to make those investments, not necessarily with the same reasons that venture capitalists, private equity or other yeah. 
forms of capital are investing. You know, they're investing in a fund, they're trying to make a return. So today we had probably uh, one of the foundation meetings in actually setting up our own fund, like not for Euphemia, but like for the industry, like a dedicated fintech fund. Right. So that's a really exciting proposition. It's in the early stages and we've spoken with big family offices and uh, a bunch of different um, businesses and potential investors, but also every day we talk to fintechs who are struggling to raise capital. Yeah. And so we think that a dedicated industry fund could actually be a really amazing thing to do. So I sort of got a little bit sidetracked there. Um, those investments that we've made, I reckon there's, I would say, scores of them. So probably 60, 70, something like that investments yeah. in the last year. Um, and varying in size from a small early stage check of 10K or something like that. Um, it's all relative, you know, but yeah. an early stage check uh, up to millions. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of the time we will uh, lead an investment or do the due diligence and then bring along the other investors. So we've actually co-invested with your Blackbirds, your SquarePegs, yeah. your AirTrees and some international VCs where we might be able to put in a small check, 100,000, 200,000 or something like that. And then uh, they're able to put in tens of millions, you know. So, so we've actually brought together a bunch of rounds, both in the fintech space and outside the fintech space. And one last thing, uh, it was a long-winded answer, <laughs> but, but the other thing is um, the things that we're backing. So fintech is what we focus on. But we also have uh, other areas that we like to work with, which uh, one of them is underrepresented founders. So we look at yeah. female-founded businesses, uh, female-founded funds, uh, as well as people maybe on the gender spectrum. We've got a couple of non-binary founders, transgender uh, founder, and so on and so forth. But also First Nations, so uh, people that don't normally have access to the same capital that that, that we would be able to get access to. Um, so that's been a real emphasis of ours. And we haven't done a lot in the last year. We've probably done five or six investments, but we're really trying to balance the ledger there a bit. Yeah. And then the other one that we brought, might have talked about last time was environment, community, you know, making yeah. a different social good, right? And, and, and those things range from beekeeping and vertical farming to energy generation, wave power, solar power, all that sort of stuff, energy storage, da, da, da. But also in just building communities, like in building the fintech industry in Australia, uh, there's value in that for everybody, elevating everybody, providing the tool sets, providing the guidance and experience that we have that others might not have. Yeah. Um, so I think they're the areas that we're focused in and it's been a whirlwind. Yeah. I've been crooked the last couple of weeks and I reckon I'm just – Needing a break. <laughs> it's been an absolutely flat chat. So how do you make yeah, how do you kind of get the balance between you know, being almost like a charity and being actual, you know, an, an investment fund? And it, how do you make the distinction around you know, what are the ideas and the people that you're gonna invest in and support? Yeah. It's a good question. So as part of creating something that is lasting. Uh, we set up a foundation. And so if we're going to do something that's charitable or uh, philanthropic or something yeah. like that, then we'll typically try and do that through the foundation Got you. where there is literally no expectation of return. Yeah. It's a little bit um, uh, different when you're doing a venture investment. A lot of the venture investments are for a return. We're trying to create businesses that become unicorns or at least employ people or become yeah. successful or whatever, but we don't have the mandate. We don't have to make a profit. Like We can follow on invest. We can invest early. And if we get diluted and all that sort of stuff, it's not as much of a problem as it is for a traditional fund um, because it's my money. right? Yeah. So the reason why we want to set up an industry fund is so that we can complement that because I, I don't have enough money <laughs> to invest yeah. in all the fintechs. There's a lot of them. Um, 
you know, I think there's what, 450 members in FinTech yeah. Australia. Yeah. Um, there'd be probably others, maybe thousands that aren't members, right? So, so in that perspective, I can't, the family office can't afford to invest in all those businesses. And so we look to other people's money and, and, and where we look at other people's money and helping uh, either bring along uh, follow on investors or uh, syndicates or partnerships with um, big venture capital firms. Uh, then they obviously have a mandate to make a return. It's not that we don't want to make a return. We love making money. Yeah. There's no, no problem with that. It's just that it's not our primary mandate. Our primary mandate is to help people to grow their businesses, be successful, and then elevate yeah. the entire industry. We've talked a bit about the economic cycle, Dom, and yes. you know, kind of. I've seen um, every economic crash has always been preceded by this massive exuberance um, where capital's been easy, but also in the talent market, you know, People have made kind of crazy demands and got them right. And kind of salaries have blown through the roof. That's all starting to kind of die down a bit now. But what I've also noticed as well is that the kind of emphasis shifts from you know kind of making these extravagant wild bets to focusing on profit. Yeah. And I remember even 2012, right, where we kind of had that mini dip with a kind of Greek default, and yeah, the euro was in trouble, and a client saying to me, you know. Revenue is vanity, profit is sanity. And kind of, we always said these periods kind of go back to that thing around. And I think what it does is it kind of forces people to become entrepreneurs first and foremost. And hopefully innovation kind of comes as a consequence of being a good entrepreneur. You're somebody that I would put as an entrepreneur first versus an innovator. What What do you think is kind of, you know, the when you're looking at, at, at um, your potential founders or businesses to invest in, what's the thing that you're looking for the most? Is it that kind of entrepreneurial spirit or is it the kind of the wacky innovator? What's- I've been thinking about it quite a lot. Because um, we've made so many different investments means we have a very diverse set of founding participants. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether they're founding employees or whether they're co-founders of the business, and also different investors with different expectations and ideas. I would say in the fintech space specifically, it's no longer good enough to try and build a business that can be a success doing financial services. Yeah. It has to do something more than that, right? So we did the pre-Finney's um, uh, fintech meetup last night and there were uh, a competition. I don't think we have many prizes or any prizes, but we did a little competition. We had to do three rounds of voting to try and separate the, um, the applicants because they were so close. And the thing that in the end differentiates them is a purpose that's beyond their core proposition. So if you're a payments business or you're a neobank or you're, um, you know, you're facilitating point of sale transactions or whatever it is, it's something in fintech. That's all well and good, but why? Like, yeah. what, what is the reason for you doing that? So the, the businesses that really stood out and the businesses that we like to invest in are where the founding participants, the employees, the partners, the shareholders, the founders care about something deeper than just the product that they're creating. So, so for example, we see uh, climate tech businesses that are also fintechs. Yeah. Or we see uh, social good businesses that are also fintechs. Or we see uh, fintechs that are doing something that adds value to the community. Like, for example, they're providing a, uh, a platform or an infrastructure service that helps other fintechs. Yeah. So I think those value adds beyond the core proposition is what helps create an enduring business. Yeah. And I summarize it by saying social good, community good, climate good. If you have that on top of your core proposition, that's a really yeah. good that's a really good one. And that's something that can create revenue, create profit, but also create sustainability. Yeah. Like create a sustainable business that's going to have an impact beyond their own means. 
I think that's really important. Yeah. And that's definitely a trend that we're seeing. Yeah. But it's also, I think, what separates the really great fintechs from the fintechs that are just chugging along. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've said this so many times on the show, but, you know, it was getting crazy in 2021, 22, you know, I'd get 10 calls a week of businesses that had been given six, seven million in seed money looking for a CTO and it was a buy now, pay later for school lunches or something. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You kind of, you know, the, you know, there's, yeah, the, the pitch deck would be we're democratizing school lunches. And it was like, no, you're exploiting, you know, kind of underserved you know, and, and poor people who, who you know, got challenges that, yep. you know, need a much deeper solution. How have you kind of seen, you know, the, the, the attitudes and, and the pitch decks and the ideas change over this last 12 months, where the exuberance and the froth has gone out of the market. And now, you know, kind of founders are, are being challenged a lot more because of the, 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 not just the funding environment, but obviously the games change, right? Yeah. It's no longer growth at all costs. There's yeah. very different ideas. People want to see a return on their investment. Is that, has that, has you seen a kind of shift in attitude? Oh, for sure. I think it's actually changed the dynamic for the founders and for the investors. So the investors now are investing in uh, more heavy due diligence, for example. Yeah. Um, they're looking for something beyond the core proposition. They're looking for something that can scale internationally, you know, not necessarily yeah. just locally. Um, and I think that like scale is part of the game. Like, can we sort of invest in a unicorn is one thing, but can we invest in something enduring is another. Yeah. So I think investors have changed their view and are sitting on a lot of capital looking for the right type of investment. And then vice versa for the founders, a lot of founders have found that they need to be deeper in their pitch. Yeah. They need to be more refined in answering questions that have a purpose rather than just being sort of a stock answer. You're not going to easily get the capital, so you're going to have to fight a little bit harder for it. So I think we've seen a shift, which for me is positive, right? If investors are being a little bit more scrutinizing of the type of investments and the founders are finding it a little bit harder just to get that easy money, mm. I think that's a good thing. I think yeah. that's a shift in the right direction where the great businesses are going to get the capital in the first place yeah. and then the even greater businesses are going to survive. So, so I think it's actually quite positive. I'm, a, I'm an optimist. I'm always like we're in a downturn. It's economic crisis. Is there are people suffering, people getting caught in mortgage traps and, you know, can't afford to pay their rent and all that. And I'm not um, blind to any of that. Yeah. Right? I'm sympathetic to all of that and we help where we can with our foundation or however we can help. But uh, at the same time, I like to see the positives in, in, in economic downturns or mm. other, you know, COVID or whatever it is. Like when bad things happen, I'm always thinking about, well, what do we learn from this? Yeah. So during the COVID crisis, we learned that we can work remotely and we can work in hybrid situations and actually it works really well. And what that requires is an, a, a higher element of trust, a higher element of transparency. And I think that that's a positive to come yeah. out of the pandemic. Similarly, with this economic crisis, getting more um, diligent assessment of businesses um, being uh, more protective of deploying capital from the investor side and then having to work a little bit harder to demonstrate why your business has value, why it can scale yeah. and what you're doing beyond your core proposition, they're actually positive outcomes yeah. to come out of an economic downturn. I remember being 10 years old and, you know, kind of where you have little events in your life that are kind of defining or kind of you know, point you, take you down a path. And I was at my grand's and... Um, I came from a region where at the time, you know, in the eighties, it was, it was like 30% unemployment, big coal mining, shipbuilding region that they shut down overnight and literally, you know, people out of work. And my gran had a guy, um, they're called chiropodists in the UK, right? But they actually like, a, um, 
podiatrist, right? Yeah. Or foot, foot, foot doctor, doctor, right? <laughs> and this guy who had been a, a miner um, took his redundancy money and trained to become a doctor, a foot doctor, right? But mobile so that he could go out and I was like just watching him. And I was just like curious as a 10 year old kid, right? And saying, oh, where'd you get the idea? And he said, oh, well, my gran or my mom, like your grand, has bad feet and she can't walk to see the doctors. And I thought there should be a service that, you know, you can go out and help them. So I took the redundancy train to be a foot doctor, bought a car and have created my own business. Yeah. And I think entrepreneurial was, yeah, and I was like, it was the first, you know, in a, in a region where it was just, there was no hope, right? And it was kind of to a 10 year old kid, it was a spark to go actually, yeah. You know what? There is a path out, right? Like yeah. you can do something. I think it's awesome. And it's, that, that's like stuck with me for forty years. Yeah, well, now, you can't like. underestimate the power that that type of influence yeah. has when you're that young. I have a story to share with you, a similar sort of thing, where when uh, my mum left school at fourteen and didn't finish her education, and then when she had her kids and was in her forties, she wanted to go back and study, and so she enrolled at the local TAFE and all that. And she chose to focus on climate was what she was studying. So yeah. when I was a kid, I might have been about 10 or 12, like around about the same yeah. age. My mum came out to the school and presented about the ozone layer and um, uh, global warming and all this sort of stuff. And that was in the 80s, early 80s, before it was cool. Yeah. You know? um, and I've never forgotten that. Like That has had a massive impact on me. And so over the last 25 years where I've been able, I've been backing climate businesses and investing yeah. in sort of businesses because it's embedded in my psyche. Yeah. Like I'm very proud of my mum to actually have taken that leap, gone back and get her education, but also focus on an area that changes the world. Yeah. You know? And so I think that spark when you're a young kid, 10, 12, 13, it can have an enormous influence on who you are as a person yeah. and you know, as an investor, as an entrepreneur, as a startup founder. Yeah. So I think those things are actually what make us who we are. Yeah. And I think it's really important. Yeah. I think you, you, you know, the kind of caveat that the, um, story that I gave, right. is like back then proximity was everything. Yeah. Right. You know, in fact, I remember my uncles having to go to Saudi Arabia or, you know, work on oil rigs where there were two weeks on two weeks off. Yeah. So only work they could get yeah. now you can work from anywhere. Do it all you can create yeah. a business yeah. in a weekend. Yeah. Right. It's With no capital. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, and I think that's kind of one of the worst it is tough. I think this, these are the moments that I, was, uh, you know, wanted to ask you this question because you've done a number of startups in different economic cycles. Like, you know, did you find that it was more enjoyable doing it when the GFC hit? And did you see there were more opportunities because it was just more pain? Yeah, what, I think it was your, more. I think it was more stressful. Um, right. Like during economic crises, it's opportunistic but difficult. Yeah. Um, I will just maybe twist that a little bit. I think it's a really good question because what I would say is that right now AI is real hot, you know, yeah. talking about AI, but go back six months or a year and everyone was talking about blockchain or yeah. you know, Web3 Web three <laughs> and yeah. all this stuff. And then go back, you know, six or 12 months before that, there was something else, yeah. right? Well, it's been like that since tulip yeah. and gold yeah. and all that sort of stuff, oil, you know, whatever. So what I would say to people is don't focus on whatever the hottest, latest yeah. trend is. Like focus on something that is important. So you talk about looking after people's feet. And we always say you can't avoid death and taxes, you know, but if yeah. you're a hairdresser or if you're a, um, a funeral director um, or something that people actually need, it's a business that is enduring, right? Yeah. So when you apply that to startups. So talking about funeral directors, <laughs> when I was recruiting during the yeah. GFC, the biggest client that we had was a funeral. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? of like, course. Yeah. yeah. The joke was, you know, people are dying to work there. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. But, you know, apply that logic to startups, right? If you're doing a fintech, 
And there's something that's enduring about the transfer of wealth or enduring about being able to pay for something or being able to help people in an underrepresented community or whatever it is. If you can create something that's enduring and you can leverage blockchain or AI yeah. or, or, or neobanks or you know whatever it is, well, good luck, right? That's great. Yeah. But I wouldn't base my entire business on whatever the hot trend is. I would look beyond the hot trend and think about a multi-decade enduring yeah. strategy. And I think that probably is the best piece of advice from my perspective is that whatever the hot trend is, just don't worry about that. If you can incorporate that in what you're doing, great. You get, you might get, you know, an easier check or something like that. But actually in the long term, what matters is those human elements, the yeah. interactions, the communications, the relationships between humans. And if you can find a way to accelerate that, improve that, create that more efficiency, um, then that's more enduring yeah. than whatever the latest hot thing is. Well, we've kind of got to dash off to the, the awards <laughs> now. Yeah, we're going to be late. Um, fantastic to catch up with you as always, Dom. Yeah. Where can people find out more about Euphemia? Yeah, euphemia.com. Right, yeah. you've got the website. We've got the website. We're yeah. today. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Well, mate, great to see you. And uh, yeah, let's have fun tonight. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Thank as you. always, folks, you can catch up with me, Dexter Cousins, on Twitter and LinkedIn. If you're tuning in for the first time, make sure to give us a follow and leave a review. And if you're coming back, thanks so much for your support. Until the next episode, keep well. Fintech Chatter is presented by Tier 1 People, leaders in fintech executive search. We'll help you find world-class fintech leadership talent to build world-class fintech ventures. And you can find out more at tier1people.com.